Hello, this is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from a Revelation Timeline Decoded YouTube video series that I made in 2021. The videos were very low tech, mostly me reading what's on the screen, so you're not missing much in the audio version. The Revelation Layers Chart and Summary PDFs that I refer to in the videos can be found at www.revelationtimelinedecoded.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David. In this video, I'm going to talk about the Son of Perdition of 2 Thessalonians 2. If you haven't done so, I recommend watching the previous videos in this Revelation series so that the explanation is in context. If you want more information about the fulfillment of Revelation, the Revelation Timeline Decoded book provides it in detail. In my The Beast of Daniel video, I show how Daniel pointed to four beast kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, which is in power until Messiah returns. Daniel points to the popes of Rome in civil terms as the little horn of Daniel 7. Paul points to them in ecclesiastic terms as the man of sin, the son of perdition. Then John points to them in civil and ecclesiastic terms as the Antichrist beast who leads the harlot church of Rome. The early church saints no doubt wanted Messiah to return, so Paul is telling them in 2 Thessalonians that before it takes place, there will be a great falling away from the scriptural faith and that a deceiver would come in the name of Messiah. So 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So what's the context? Satan had used the Roman emperors to try to wipe out Messiah's ecclesia of saints, his church, during ten persecution periods. The last one was mentioned in Messiah's letter to the Smyrna church saints, as the 10 days of tribulation, which points to 10 years from 303 to 312 AD, which was the harshest persecution period as Diocletian tried to kill all of the saints and wipe out Messiah's church. But persecution made Messiah's Ecclesia of Saints grow faster, and the Roman Empire was declining from the sealed judgments that foretold a bloody civil war, economic strife, famine, pestilence, and death. So Satan changed his strategy by using Emperor Constantine to stop the persecutions, and create Romanism, Roman Christianity, a false religion to seek to destroy Messiah's Ecclesia, his church, from the inside. In my The Falling Away of 2 Thessalonians 2 video, I show how Constantine and the Roman bishops created the religious system that has the veneer of the true faith, but is full of man-made traditions and based on the symbolism of the Babylonian mystery religion. Many believers compromised their beliefs to be exalted in Rome after several centuries of severe persecution. The pure faith was apostatized into a religion with pagan theology, holidays, and idols. And you can watch that video for more information about the falling away that Paul is referring to. So now let's focus on the son of perdition. It says, And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who is opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he is as God sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, both of the times that the phrase son of perdition is used in the Bible, they refer to someone who claims to follow Messiah, but is really against them in their beliefs and actions. So a lot of people point to the son of perdition as an atheist or this and that. He's a sinful man, but that's not really what it's saying. We have the example of Judas. It's someone inside the church, inside Messiah's ecclesia, pretending to be one of his followers, but really he's against them. So it's someone who pretends to be a part of the true ecclesia, but he is a deceiver. And both Judas and the office of the papacy have fulfilled this role. The grand mystery of our redemption is that Messiah humbled himself to become a man. And he did not esteem himself, but gave glory to his father. The counter to this mystery is that a mortal, sinful man would claim to take Messiah's place and proclaim himself to be God. 
Keep in mind that when the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians 2, the temple was still standing in Jerusalem, as the Romans didn't destroy it until 70 AD. So any reference in 2 Thessalonians to a physical temple would have been to that temple, not an end times temple. Paul is pointing to the spiritual temple made up of the followers of Messiah. Paul is saying that the son of perdition would sit in Yah's temple, in the Heavenly Father's temple. He would pretend to be a leader in Messiah's church, and that is among the body of believers. Popes of Rome proclaimed to lead Messiah's one true church. So do you see the match? It's saying he would sit in the temple of God, but he's a betrayer. So here's the popes of Rome teaching false doctrine, man-made traditions, and proclaiming to lead Messiah's one true church. Paul is telling us that the son of perdition pretends to be a believer to deceive the world. Instead of being an infidel who doesn't believe in the Messiah of the scriptures, the son of perdition feigns to be Messiah's key leader. The Pope sits in his grandiose basilica on an ornate throne, pretending to be the leader of Messiah's ecclesia, which is the temple that Paul is describing. The Pope sits on the throne, pretending to be the vicar of Christ, to replace Christ, while teaching concepts that are contrary to Messiah. And then in 2 Thessalonians 2, 5-7, Paul reminds them, he says, Remember ye not, that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So Paul could not write the Roman emperors would be removed from power, as that would have invited more persecution. So he reminded them. He told them in person. He was not pointing to the Holy Spirit, because if that was it, he would just said that plainly. So Paul reminded the Thessalonians about what he told them in person, that it's the Roman emperor, the Western Roman emperor, who withheld the son of perdition from taking power. The Roman popes and bishops were already drawing people away from the true faith into a false religion of Romanism in which the Pope takes the place of Messiah. Rome was a pagan city, and the emperor was called Pontifex Maximus, the high priest. As long as the Western Roman emperor was in power, the Roman bishop could not take power as Pontifex Maximus. The last Western Roman emperor was removed during the Fourth Trumpet Judgment in 476. Shortly after that, in 538 AD, the Pope was given religious and civil power when Eastern Emperor Justinian issued a decree making the Pope head of all churches. So we can see that the restrainer, the Western Roman Emperor, was removed from power, and uprose the son of perdition, the Antichrist beast, Pope, to power. Theologian Jerome wrote in the 4th or 5th century, if St. Paul had written openly and boldly that the man of Sid would not come until the Roman Empire was destroyed, a just cause of persecution would then appear to have been afforded against the church in her infancy. He shows that which restrains is the Roman Empire, for unless it shall have been destroyed and taken out of the midst, according to the prophet Daniel, Antichrist will not come before that. Let us therefore say what all ecclesiastic writers have delivered to us, that when the Roman Empire is destroyed, ten kings will divide the Roman world among themselves, the ten horns that we just covered in Daniel 7, and then will be revealed the man of sin. Terulian, an early Christian apologist, said, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now hinders must hinder until he be taken out of the way. What obstacle is there but the Roman state, the falling away of which, by being scattered into ten kingdoms, shall introduce Antichrist upon its own ruins? In Romanism and the Reformation, Henry Grattan Guinness said, while the Caesars held imperial power, it was impossible for the predicted Antichrist to rise. On the fall of the Caesars, he would arise. In Horae Apocalypse, Edward Bishop Eliot said, we have the consistent testimony of our early church fathers to the effect that it, the restrainer, was understood to be the imperial power ruling and residing at Rome. Roman Cardinal Manning, so he's an insider in the Roman Catholic Church, highly revered, said, now the abandonment of Rome by the Caesars was the liberation of the pontiffs. He was elevated to be, in his divine master's name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
the abandonment of Rome left them free to become independent sovereigns and take up the sovereignty the empire had just laid down. He's telling you that once the Western Roman Empire was removed from power, that gave power to the popes of Rome. And there's many statements from popes that they proclaimed to be God. One notable one is from Pope Nicholas. He said, I am in all and above all, so that God himself and I, the vicar of God, have both one consistory, and I am able to do almost all that God can do. Wherefore, if these things that I do be said not to be done of man, but of God, what do you make of me but God? Pope Pius V blaspheme. The Pope and God are the same. He has all the power in heaven and earth. Pope Leo VIII said, We hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. Even St. Augustine of Hippo, who was highly revered by the Roman Catholic Church in his work, City of God, admitted, For what does he, meaning Paul, mean by, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now holdeth, let him hold until he be taken out of the way, and then shall the wicked be revealed. I frankly confess I do not know what he means. However, it is not absurd to believe that those words of the apostle refer to the Roman Empire. And we, when we look at the testimonies of the Protestant reformers, John Wycliffe, John Calvin, Martin Luther, John Knox, John Wesley, uh, the Church of Scotland, the Church of Ireland, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the London Baptist Confession, and many more people have all proclaimed that the popes fulfill Bible prophecy as the man of sin, the son of perdition. And I list their quotes on my Revelation Timeline Decoded website on the Historical Witnesses Against Antichrist page. In History Unveiling Prophecy, Henry Grattan Guinness says, Paul said, you know who it is, as I told you in person. If it was the Holy Spirit, he would have wrote that. He did not wish to expose the persecuted Christians to fresh dangers by putting into the hands of the enemy proof of what would have been by them considered a seditious creed. Grattan continues, Human ambition could rise no higher. The popes boldly lay claim to the attributes and prerogatives of deity. He represented the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He claimed to rule in three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell, and in token thereof was crowned with a triple crown. He prated himself before the world as an infallible teacher of morals and faith. Exalted above bishops, above councils, above kings, above conscience, from his decisions there was no appeal. He was the supreme judge of mankind. So we can see how the popes of Rome fulfill the role of the son of perdition as they pretend to be a priest of Messiah who leads his one true church. But they teach a false gospel of works through the sacraments and that Mary is the intercessor to the Father. So they are betrayers of Messiah. In the next video, I'll show you how they fulfilled the title of the Son of Man. Thank you for listening to this Revelation Timeline Decoded audio. You can request a free copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded summary PDF or order a printed copy of the book, which explains it in detail, at revelationtimelinedecoded.com. I love y'all. Shalom.